Welcome to our podcast, The Evolution of Soap, featuring Melanie Razo. Hey. Hannah Knox. Hi. Brian Salazar. Hello. And myself, Juan Govea. Today we will discuss the evolution of soap and soap art. But what is soap? Has the materials and artistic views changed over the years? And why should you care? Soap has connected people for so much longer than we assume. An article made by the American Cleaning Institute, Soaps and Detergents History, states soap has gone far as back as 2800 BC when the Babylonians discovered it. The Babylonians mixed animal fats and ashes. Unlike the Babylonians, the Egyptians made soap from animal and vegetable oils with alkaline salt in 1550 BC. Phoenicians used goat tallow. <laughs> And wood ashes in 600 BC, the Romans didn't fall far behind when they created a soap with urine. The Celts that lived around Europe and some parts of Turkey also began making soap with animal and plant ashes. Even though these are all from different periods and regions, they all had a goal in mind when making soap. Soap is now a mass-produced product with smaller business making soap into art. During February, you and Juan made melted pour soap for the first time. Uh, the procedures were laid out on my iPad, which said... Put on gloves, cut the soap into cube pieces, and microwave the soap. Measure out the fragrance oils and the colorants, and then you have your final product. We have a list of questions for you and Juan about your soap making journey. So, what was the process like for you, Melanie? I like cutting the goat milk cheese. I mean, soap. Very interesting. <laughs> what about you, Juan? What was the process like for you? I felt that it was pretty fun, but it was hard since the melt and pour soap would solidify so quickly. So I would have to like mix the soap and put like put in the fragrance oil and the colorants fast so it wouldn't like become solid. That was probably the hardest part for me. A lot of things were challenging, especially reading the instructions since I had never made soap before and my mentor left me alone to do it all alone. You missed like half the process though, so that's still on you. Anyways. It was complicated. I'm bad at following the direction that I need someone to explain it to me. <laughs> anyway, was there anything else you uh, found challenging, Juan? Well, the instructions part wasn't that challenging since I could go off Melanie's attempt. I watched her do the process and figured out like how to do it from her. The hardest part was still trying to mix, like keep mixing the soap so it wouldn't harden on me. What did you enjoy most about doing the soap? Didn't we have to microwave the soap? Yeah. I felt like seeing it melt was the most fun. How was that the most fun for you? I don't know. I just felt it was satisfying seeing it melt. I still enjoyed cutting the soap into cubes. It looked satisfying seeing the blade easily go through the, go through the melt and pour soap bars. Murderer on our hands. However, would you want to make soap bars again? Yeah, but just to cut the soap. I'd cut the, 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 goat, the goat milk. <laughs> I would definitely do it again if I had a microwave. Would there be anything that you would change whenever you did make your bar of soap? Um, I'd probably change the fragrance since, like, I don't know. Since it's not fall anymore at this current moment, I'd probably change the fragrance to something more like summer summer vibes, beach vibes, something like that. Watermelon, like that? Yeah. What would you change about it, Melanie? If you could change, like, maybe your technique, the colorants, the fragrance oil, what would you want to change? I want to change the color. And I would want to change the method I did, the marble, because yeah, it kind of came out sucky. What uh, colors did you use before? 
I use vanilla. I like the smell. It smells really good. But I use black and white. I would use like something like blue, purple, or like mm -hmm. red. You know, yeah. pop of color. Pop of color. Yeah. Uh, did you still enjoy your bar soap at the end, or what was the downfalls of it? The downfalls of it is that Hannah didn't explain that I can't use the soap on my body, <laughs> and I got a rash. That was on me. I do apologize. Speaking about soap making industry, we have a special guest here with us today, the owner of Texas Gulf Coast Soap Company, Ms. Perez. Uh, first question, what, uh, what made you choose to make soap and how did you start? I didn't intend to sell it. When I first made it, I was just doing it because it was fun. And then my husband said, how dirty do you think we're going to be? Why are you making all this soap? And, um, and then I had a friend who had, uh, she it was in charge of a market, and she said, why don't you just bring it up here and see how it does? She didn't have anyone at her market that sold soap. So I took a few bars there and sold out. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just make soap for everybody else. <laughs> At the time, was it like a booming business or was it just you going like every now and then? No, it, uh, there was a demand for it in that area. And I, I had signs that said handmade soap I would put out on the street and people would come to the market because they were looking for someone who made handmade soap. If you've, if you've tried handmade soap and then you go to like a, a commercial, a big box store kind of soap, you, you'll see the, the drastic difference. So people that do use handmade, handmade soap are a big fan of that. What is the process of making your cold process soap? Or you don't have to spill all your secrets, just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Uh, I came up with a recipe. You can use different oils, and they have like a gazillion, like every kind of oil you can think of is what the soap is made from. And the oils have different benefits. So I chose oils that were easy to get and reasonably priced so I can keep my soap reasonably priced, but still get a good benefit from the oil. Like um, castor oil makes uh, like makes really good bubbles. And uh, so I use olive, uh, palm, castor, sweet almond, and coconut. That's a lot of oils I use five different soaps and oils in all of my soaps. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of oils. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to really perfect your uh, soap making? Oh gosh, I'm still perfecting it. <laughs> uh, sometimes there, there's a lot of variables. You can so when you make the soap. Uh, all soap is made with lye. I use a food grade lye. The lye heats up to over 200 degrees, which can cook your oils and burn them. So you have to, like I have the little laser temperature gun. I make sure that everything is at the same temperature. I soap um, between 80 to 100 degrees. And if you add sugars, like I have this one that has, uh, it has Mr. Bill's honey in uh, uh, my bless your heart. Anything with sugars heats up more. So sometimes I have to throw it in the, I have a refrigerator in my soap area and I sometimes I have to put my soap in there to keep it cool <laughs> put ice packs on it if it got too hot but yeah 
And speaking of light solution, have you ever burnt yourself or had like chemical burns? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. At first, I looked like I like I had a full hazmat suit on, right? I mean, goggles and the respirator and gloves and like everything. I was so terrified of it. But when they say like get vinegar out, and if you get lie on yourself, you wash yourself with vinegar. And so I'm like, you know, doing all that. Now I go out there in my t-shirt and flip-flops and yeah, it's, I, I have gotten burned, but it's not like it does, you feel it at first. So I know, okay, it's, I have, I have raw soap on me. So what I'm finished what I'm doing and then I'll go wash that off. Okay. Uh, another question was, what's the most bought and least bought soap? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> the, the, the number one is this one. And it's because JR tells everyone that this is my favorite bar. So they smell of it and they're like, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> the fragrance in this is sandalwood and vanilla. So it's good for, you know, guys or gals. Uh, so this is my number one bar, uh, sandbar. Next to that, a close second is um, bless your heart because it's for anyone with sensitive or dry skin it has honey and the goat's milk in it and essential oils of orange and clove so that that's those those are like neck and neck the least bar uh is this one which is surprising and and it's one of my personal favorites um it's because it has a meaning to me but um, it's dazzle the fragrance in this is champagne so I think some people maybe turned off by it it's, it smells kind of effervescent uh, bubbly and it's very sweet but this is the least bar the last question we had was what is Miss Perez's most and least bought soap and why do you think it is we didn't ask the final part just because we felt that it was rude to ask but soap is an everyday necessity to stay hygienic, so why do people buy high-priced, aesthetically good-looking soaps? Like, there's no point into it, they just look pretty. Uh, this ties to the psychology of a human's brain. When a person buys an aesthetically pleasing object, dopamine, and, uh, which is a happy hormone, and oxytocin, a pleasure hormone, triggers sensations secreted while looking at or purchasing the item. An article by Dr. Uh, Marsha L. Richens the uh, consumption emotions reads about the whole idea a consumer buys something that, with a need or a goal in mind. Whether that goal is for joy, excitement, or even horror, the consumer buys what they do with a goal in mind. The first thing a person notices when buying an object is its appearance. Chapter 17 of Consumption Emotions, Product Attachment Design Strategies to, to Stimulate the Emotional Bonding to Products states a person buys something to have an attached feeling towards it. Following chapter 18, crucial elements of designing for comfort, refers to the comfort and discomfort a person faces when choosing what they like and dislike. For soap specifically, if someone enjoys the marble aesthetic, they are more willing to buy a bar of soap that resembles marble even if the price is higher. This all relates to the fact that a person buys an aesthetically pleasing soap based on personal preference. If the soap matches what they enjoy, they are more willing to purchase that item. For instance, if I were to sell panda-inspired soap bars, I would know that sales for that specific bar would skyrocket. Disregarding the quality or smell, the appearance and name alone can drive people to buy the soap. 
We talked about why people buy pretty soap and happy chemicals involved, but the culture behind soap making is something extraordinary. Different countries and cultures had other ways to make soap and discovered it, but we all used it in the same way. What about the universal usage of soap? Soap has been around as early as 2800 BC Babylonians who made their soaps. In 1550 BCE, Egyptians would bathe regularly with soap. Greeks, ancient Arabs, and many people and places have used and made soap throughout the history. Soap is not only something to look at and go, wow, that's pretty. It is a universal object which everyone knows about and can connect with. People went from making soap as a necessity to, mass, to now mass production usage and now into small businesses for many people. An article by the International Journal for Service Learning and Engineering, or the IJSLE, is about a challenge to improve a soap making process used by Terry Wood Women's Community Hospital that raised money for women in Uganda suffering from obstreet fistula. The design and engineering teams were to build a better technique to mass produce soap making and add goat's milk to the soap to make it a better product. Even though the team did not know the people personally, they knew the people in Uganda needed the money and put all their and all their effort and time into this project and at the end succeeded. During the interview with Ms. Perez, she told us about how her daughter and son-in-law went to Puerto Rico for a business trip during the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. They remember how Harvey devastated the Texas, the Texas area, so they wanted to help out over there in Puerto Rico. So they bought coffee, and over there they call coffee Coqui, so which they named their her coffee, her soap coffee Coqui. So making is so much more once you look deeper in the process and what good it can do for a community or a singular person. From Ms. Perez to a team of engineers, they both made soap out of goals in mind. Consumers may buy the soap for appearance, but there's a deeper meaning to that pretty goat milk soap bar. This is our 15 minutes of soap evolution. Thank you for listening to our podcast and its importance in an art form. And I certainly hope you like it.